just reminded this week of just the way God's moving in this place. And um, it's not the building. It's not anything we're doing. It's just the Spirit of God in here. And I think that is awesome. And we get to be a part of that. We get to witness that. And it just puts things in perspective uh, for me and I think for everybody, really. You just get to see that, that God's moving, period. Like, God's moving. That Creator God who made everything that we know and everything that we can't even comprehend is moving in this place, is moving in the lives of our people, not just in this place, but in houses and homes and businesses and people are meeting in Bible studies and he's just moving in our community. And that is awesome. We're getting to see, that's a modern day miracle. I think we look past that. That is a miracle, life change. Somebody came in this place and, and they, they experienced the presence of God and their life was changed forever. Said, yeah. It's, it's somewhat overwhelming. I almost think we could do that, worship, have Greta come back out here and let her rip, <laughs> go home, you know. But um, we got something powerful we're going to do today, and um, a very powerful thing. It's going to be a great day. It already has been, and I think it's going to continue to be, and um, I feel very unworthy to lead it this morning, but I think we all are, so here we go. So, um, But we're going to be able to take the Lord's Supper this morning. And uh, some of you might have saw the tables down here and wondering what we're doing. You're probably thinking, man, I knew there was something weird about this church. They're doing some kind of weird sacrifice. <laughs> probably snakes under them napkins. <laughs> Listen, there's snakes under there. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm already too close to them. But, but no, we're not doing anything weird today. Um, we are going to take the Lord's Supper. And, and the thing that's, that's got me this week is I think for a lot of us that grew up in church, I grew up in church, which is a great thing. But um, I think sometimes stuff like this gets watered down. And because we do it, repetition, we do it, you know, in our old churches, every fifth Sunday, you take the Lord's Supper. And it's like, why are you taking the Lord's Supper? Because it's the fifth Sunday. That's what we do here. We, we come to church on Sunday morning, take the Lord's Supper, and don't have Sunday night services, which I was super pumped about as a kid. That Sunday, I was praising the Lord extra. I'm like, no Sunday night services, I can go on the lake. But, um, but that's just how it was. It's like, you know, my pappy did it, his pappy before him did it, and his pappy before him did it. So, my God, we're going to do it. It's like, it's just kind of what it was. And, um... It's kind of just became a ritual, tradition, and you just do it. And a lot of you grew up that way to where when I talk about communion, which I, I told him I'm not going to say a whole lot because the last thing I want to do is get in the heat of the moment and say kamumminum because that'll come out. And uh, so we're going to call it the Lord's Supper this morning, and, uh, which is what is mentioned in Scripture. So, but for a lot of us, it's just one of those things. It's just because we've always done it. Uh, we don't maybe even know why we've done it, but we've just always done it. And when I say it, it's like, ah, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Uh, you're thinking about going to the lake later, what you're going to eat for lunch, and that's kind of it. Um, and for a lot of you, maybe you don't know what it is, and, and you're like, well, what is he talking about? Um, we're going to talk about that today, too. I want to talk about, with all of that in mind, kind of why we do what we do. Why, why do we come down here and, and dip bread in juice and eat it, right? Like, why, why are we doing what we're doing this morning? And um, there's a scripture I want to read that explains, first off, what we're doing, and then we'll talk about kind of why we're doing it, what Jesus says. And this is in 1 Corinthians, and... And Paul is basically, he's writing to the Corinthians, and he, and he quotes Jesus here, and he, and he recounts what had already happened, right? Like, so, so this had happened the night Jesus, Jesus was betrayed, and um, that's what Paul's talking about here. So it says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
And, and that's what Paul's saying. He's, he's saying the night that, that the, first, the, the disciples came together, the night before Jesus Christ was crucified, he brought them together and said, we're going to take of this Lord's Supper. And, and they're sitting there, and that's when he says, uh, when you take of this bread, and what we're going to do this morning is we're going to come down, the ushers will, will bring you down during worship, and you're going to come down, and you're going to take the bread, and you're going to dip it in the juice, and you're going to eat it, and you're going to go back to your seat. And he says, when you do that this morning, he says, do that in remembrance of me. And, and I think when we, we hear that, again, it doesn't do a lot for us. It's like, all right, I'll do it to remember him. But a lot of us, I even thought this week, like, I hadn't really forgotten. Like, like, I know Jesus died for me. Like, I hadn't forgotten that. And, and I know that, that I'm a Christian. Like, I'm a believer. Like, I know all that. I got it. But it's kind of like um, with your anniversary, like this, we, me and my wife, this is fresh for me, fresh wound maybe, because we, uh, we just celebrated our anniversary. And uh, it, was, it was last weekend and a couple weeks before, now I, I knew our, our anniversary was in July and I was pretty sure of the date, right? Like guys, you know what I'm talking about. Like you're, I've only been married three years, so it's kind of hard for me to forget it. But still, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's the 26th. So, so I knew that was coming up, uh, but I hadn't thought a lot about it. And um, my wife comes to me, and she's like, hey, this is the Friday before. She's like, hey, I got a babysitter uh, for our anniversary next Friday. Now, on the outside, I'm cool as a cucumber. I'm like, oh, yeah, awesome. Inside, complete panic, like sheer panic, alarms going off, like flashing lights, sirens. My whole body's like freaking out. I'm like, this ain't good. I've forgotten about our anniversary. Outside, I'm like, yeah, honey, it's going to be awesome. Like, I got something good planned. And, she, and my wife knows me. She's like, you didn't forget about our anniversary, did you? And I don't want to lie to her. I'm not going to lie straight out. I'm just, you just go back with a question. Do you think I would forget our anniversary? <laughs> you know? And she's like, absolutely. I do think that. And then, you guys, you know, if, if that doesn't get the heat off of you, then you got to deflect. Be like, oh, crap. I forgot to feed the dog. She's like, we don't have a dog. I'm like, well, just in case we ever do get one, I want to be in the routine of it. I got to go. Like, <laughs> whatever. The baby's crying. Just something. Get me out of here. But... We went and celebrated our anniversary. It was awesome. We had a great time. We went and stayed the night somewhere and just had a, a day or two together, and it was great. But it wasn't that I completely forgot that I got married. It wasn't that I, I forgot that I had a wife or that I loved her or that we've been married for three years. I didn't forget any of that. I didn't even forget our wedding day. I could tell you all about it. And, and I didn't forget any of that, but it took uh, a one day of just, just stopping and thinking about it. And as we, as we sat together and ate supper, we started looking through pictures of, of our wedding day and we got married in Mexico. It was beautiful, and we didn't invite our family, which is awesome. If you want to really make your family really mad and set the precedent for how your marriage is going to be, just don't invite your in-laws to your wedding. Just saying, this is the way things are going to be. But, uh, but we looked through pictures, and uh, my wife's not here, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> Next service, I'll be like, yeah, it was great. You know, I love her family. I love her. <laughs> so, but, uh, but anyway, as we looked through pictures, we, we remembered the wedding day. We thought about it. We laughed. We got, you know, even, you even get a little emotional. Like, I, I don't get super emotional, but you even, like, all those emotions come back, and you start thinking about how great it is, how blessed you are. You start thinking about all these things. And that's the kind of remembering that Jesus is talking about. Not as in, like, remember that time I got married. Okay, great. Go with, on with life. He's saying, remember. Really stop and think about it. Just like on your anniversary, when you stop to think about, uh, your marriage and, and, and your wedding day and all that stuff, he's saying really stop and think because Jesus knows us. He knows you better than you know you. And he knows you're going to forget and you're gonna, it's going to be in the back of your mind. It's not like you've completely forgotten, but it just needs to be brought up and you need to really stop and think about what Jesus has done for you.
And that's what he's saying. That's the kind of remembering that we're talking about is, is truly stop and remember and think about and dwell on. He says, come before me with an irreverent awe, just thinking about all that I've done for you. So it's not like, again, just remember that time. It's, it's truly think about it. Remember what he's done. And, and I love the fact that he says it's personal. Remember what I've done for you. Not like Jesus loves the whole world, got the whole world in his hands, all that kind of stuff. That's true. Like he does love everybody, but he's saying this is personal. Think about what Jesus Christ has done for you. And as we come up again this morning and we, we come down and we take of this bread and we take of the juice, uh, he's saying, when you take of that bread, remember my body, which was broken for you. The body that, that in his earthly body, Jesus comes and, and, and from the moment they arrest him, they start inflicting pain on him. They start breaking that body and they take him and they kick him and they hit him. And, and they break his bones and they take a, a whip and they, and they rip his flesh off pain and, and, and just excruciating pain that we can never even comprehend. They do that to Jesus. And they continue just over and over and over. They beat that body. They whip it. Any, they're getting creative as they can to, to, to destroy his earthly body. And then they take him and they, put, they try to put a cross on that broken body and, and send it up the hill and they take him up there, and they start to drive nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And they mock him, and they hang him up naked with a crown of thorns on his head, his body broken. And he says, that's for you. Think about that. Remember that. I did that because I love you. Body broken. And it says, that, remember his blood poured out of the new covenant of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Think about all the blood that Jesus Christ shed from, from the moment they, it said before the high priest, they struck him. And from that moment on, he never stopped bleeding. Blood poured out. He says, that's for, that's for you. That's for me. He says, remember that. Think about how when they put that crown of thorns on his head, the blood pouring down his face. Think about his back and his body from, from being whipped, torn open, flesh hanging out, and just, just blood pouring out everywhere. And I was reading this week, I never have thought about it, but they said the average person, pretty much everybody, would, if they would have left him there before they put him on a cross, he would have just died anyway. Because he lost so much blood and his flesh was torn up so much. They said you could see bones. You could, it's just excruciating. And he's hanging there naked. They pierce his side. He said, that's my blood poured out for you. And that's what we think about today. That's what we remember today is that. When we take of the bread and we take of the juice, we're thinking about his body broken for you and for me. It's not just something we're just coming up here flippantly doing, going back to our seat, playing on our phone. We think about what Jesus Christ went for because he loves you, because he loves me. He says, when you do this, do this to remember me. That's what we're talking about this morning. And in Scripture... As we think about that, and we, and, we, and we think about his body broken for us, Paul goes on. He doesn't stop there. And this is something very, very powerful that we have to understand this morning. We have to, and as I watched that video, I've been thinking about this all week. God has put this on my heart, and I believe he's put it on my heart uh, for myself and for you. And Paul goes on in Scripture, and he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. As we read that, 
he's talking to the Corinthians, and they, they, they came before this deal. They, they would come and do the Lord's Supper, and they would gather together, and there was problems amongst them. They had, they had issues going on, and, and they would just come in, and they would, they would come down, and, and, and flippantly they would just take the bread and drink of the wine. Said some of them even got drunk, and they were just not taking it serious. And Paul's like, that's why some of you have gotten sick. That's why some of you have died. And I'm like, that's serious business. Not, he's not kidding around, right? Like, like it's, it's a serious thing. And he says, don't do this in an unworthy manner. Examine yourself. And I'm like, well, what does that mean for me? Like, like it kind of scares me a little bit. But what Paul is saying here is, and we, we see, when we read this, we see, don't do this if you are not worthy. But what, what Paul is saying, and the better translation, even than unworthy manner, is don't do this irreverently. When you come down here, like I was saying, uh, think about, Think about the body broken. Think about the blood poured out for you. Think about that on a personal level and, and dwell on that. Don't just come down, take it, go back to your seat, go home, chill out, that's it. He's saying, really think about what you're doing. Really think about what you're, what you're doing this morning. That's why uh, we, we know from Scripture that, that an unbeliever cannot partake of the Lord's Supper because you don't understand what you're doing. And it's not a judgment thing. It's not that we're saying, you know, you're not good enough or anything like that. We're just saying that just like Paul did, that, that you don't fully understand what you're doing because if you did, you'd give your life to Jesus Christ. If you understood what he did for you, this love that we're talking about, you would give your life to him. So it's for believers that understand what they're doing. But when we read this, and we read this word, unworthy manner, what I found is, and even reading this week and studying it, what I've heard in churches is, is people preach that, that you have to be worthy to take the Lord's Supper. That there's, there's a level of worthiness. Examine yourself and make sure you're worthy to take the Lord's Supper. That's the way we want it to say. And that's the way a lot of people preach it. And that's the way I felt for a lot of my life. It kind of scared me, always, always scared me. I'm like, as I take it, I'm like, I hope, I hope I'm good enough. I hope, I hope I'm worthy, right? And what we're ultimately saying when we say that is, you got to be somehow worthy to come before Jesus at all. You got to be worthy to be a believer. You got to be worthy in some way. There's some standard you have to meet to come before God. That's ultimately what we're saying. I think we kind of, all of us deep down, me and Pastor Jamie had a conversation this week about this. We kind of all want that. Like we want to be able to say, okay, I'm good enough. Okay, there's a standard and I meet it, right? Like we, we kind of desire that. And a lot of churches, man, that, that's the way things are, is you have to be a certain way. We were talking amongst our band. One night a couple weeks ago about how in a lot of churches, if you have tattoos, they're like, nah, you got you to cover those up. You can't come here. And, and, and I'm like, what? Like, what does that even mean? Or if you have a child out of wedlock, nah, we don't believe in that here. I'm like, where do you see that in Scripture? You don't see it in Jesus. But we think that a lot of times there's a standard that we have to meet, and it's because People like that, believers, us, because we're judgmental people, we've put that on people. There's a standard. You have to be worthy. But I want to look at a scripture, and I want to look at, or in scripture, I want to look at a person that I can relate with, and I think you'll be able to relate with this morning. That's Peter, the disciple. And we find him in scripture. He's at the first Lord's Supper. He's, he's with Jesus. And he's sitting there with him. And, and, and they're sitting across from each other. And, and the thing you got to know about Peter is, is him and Jesus were really, really close. Every time you see the disciples mentioned in Scripture, Peter's first. And that's not a mistake. There's no mistakes in the Bible. That's on purpose. Peter is first every time the disciples are mentioned. And most people believe that Peter and Jesus were the closest out of all the disciples. There was, there was three others that were really, really close with Jesus. Peter was one of those. But most people believe that he was the closest. 
one of Jesus' greatest friends. Jesus had poured into Peter. He spent so much time with him. He, they loved each other. They were, they were like brothers. But they're sitting at the Lord's Supper the first time, what, what, what uh, Paul just quoted. And they're sitting there, and Jesus looks at him and he said, Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be asked about me, and you're going to act like you never even knew me. Peter's like, not me, Lord. No way. I, I couldn't deny you. Jesus says, yeah, you're going to do it three times. Peter's like, no, Lord, I love you. I will, I will, Peter tells him, I will die for you. I will, do, I, I will go down with you. I, I will fight for you. I love you, Jesus. Jesus says, no, you're going to deny me. This very night, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. And we see in Scripture, and most of us have heard this story, that, that Peter goes out, and, and he goes out, and Jesus has been arrested, and he's out uh, with, with, by the fire with some people in the middle of the night, getting warm. And a little servant girl comes up, a little girl. A little girl comes up. And asks Peter, she's like, hey, you were with Jesus. I recognize you. Peter looks at this little girl, and he said, not me. I wasn't with him. I don't know the man. And he can't even stand up to the little girl. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Why? You, you said yourself, he is the son of God. And now this little girl comes up. He's one of your closest friends. You love him. And you say, no, I don't know him. I don't know the man. Another person comes up. Hey, you were with Jesus. Nah, not me. I don't know him. Who do you think I am? I, I wouldn't hang out with him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't associate myself with him. He's a criminal. Another person, a little while later in Scripture, comes up and says, Hey, I recognize you. You were with Jesus. This time Peter gets mad. He freaks out. He, he starts cursing and puts the curse on himself. If, if I was with that man and, and, and all this stuff starts, he, he freaks out. I, I don't know him. Why would I ever associate myself with Jesus? I, I do not know Jesus. For the last time, people, I don't know him. I, I don't know who he is. I don't know anything about him. I was not with him. And at that moment, the Bible says the rooster crows. And in one of the Gospels, you can see that Jesus made eye contact with Peter. As soon as he said it, Jesus looked at him. Peter denied him. And it says in that moment that just guilt-stricken, Peter wept bitterly. Couldn't contain the guilt. He couldn't handle it. It just broke him. I just denied the Son of God. I just denied my friend. I love him. And I just said I didn't even know him. And Peter goes on and Scripture tells us that, that even after Jesus was raised from the dead, that Peter's going back to fishing. And it seems as if in Scripture that Peter just went back to what he knew. Just like us so many times in life. Whenever we, we make a mistake or things go wrong, we just, we just go back to what we know. Well, I know, I know drugs, so I'll go back to that. I know substance abuse, so I'll go back to that. I know I, I've been in bad relationships, so I'll just go back to that. Whatever it is, we just go back to it. So it seemed like Peter just going back to his old life and, and he's out there fishing and, and, and he and his buddies are out there and, and some of the disciples, and they, they're, they're not catching anything, but they see this man on the shore. And they can't tell. He's so far away, they can't tell who he is, and, and they can't even recognize his voice. But his voice echoes across the water, and it, and it says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, and they do, and they, and they get this haul of fish. And they can't even get it in the boat, it's so many. And John looks up, and he said, it's Jesus. 
It's our resurrected King. It's Jesus. It's the Lord. And in that moment, Peter has to make a decision. And I want to put ourselves in his shoes today and tell you where I believe for so many, and I've seen it in my life and I see it in the lives of others, and God has spoken to me so strongly about this this week, that, that we put ourselves in, that, in the shoes of Peter. And there's three ways to respond in this very moment when he sees Jesus on the shore. The first one is, is the one a lot of us take, and I've taken this route, is, is we, we see Jesus, we're sitting in the boat, we're, we're so overcome by guilt and shame of what we've done, we're like, man, I, I'm just a piece of crap. How, how could he ever love me? I'm so unworthy. Who am I? Why? I'm just going to stay right here. Yeah, I, I, I've denied him. So many of us have denied ever even knowing Jesus with our actions. You may not ever say, I don't know the man, but you live like you don't know him. We've all been there. And we sit there, and, and you, I, I've got addiction, I've got this, I've got that, I've got this. And, and just like Tina in the video, some, it's something somebody else may have even done to you. And you sit there in your guilt and in your shame, and it paralyzes you. That's a lot of people in the room this morning. Then there's another person. It's, it's when Peter uh, sees Jesus and he's sitting there and he's thinking about what he did. And he can't quit thinking about, man, I, I, I betrayed my best friend. I, I betrayed my, my Savior. I betrayed the one who loves me. I, I even said he's the Son of God, but I, I, I denied even knowing him. And you sit there and you've messed up, you, you screwed up, but you're thinking, well, it's not that bad. Right, okay. I, I know I got some some substance abuse problems, but it's not that bad. It could be way worse. I could be Judas. I could have sold Jesus out for some money. I, I could be that guy. I, I could be him. It could be worse. I'm not that bad. I, I know I got a little problem. I know I, I can't, I, I, I'm just drawn to the computer late at night. I got a pornography problem, but it's not that bad. I haven't actually physically cheated on my wife yet, so it's not that bad. I, I, can, I can handle it. I'm okay. I'm a good person. I, I know I know I love money. I just can't get enough of it. I, I know I do. I'm greedy. I, I just can't get enough money, but it's not that bad. I could be like this person. It could be way worse. I, I'm still a good person. I still go to church. I, I even read the Bible sometimes. I'm still a good person. I know I got all these issues, whatever it is. I know I deny Jesus with my actions. You have to understand that this morning because when you, a lot of us, we live like we never even met Him. The way that we act. The way that we live. Maybe not all the time, but we're all guilty of it some of the time. And you sit there and you see Jesus and you're like, well, I'm okay. I'll just get to Jesus with the rest of the boys. I'll, I'll go to shore here in a little bit. I'm, I'm not that bad. You sit there in your pride and your arrogance thinking that somehow you have earned something. I'm not that bad. I'm not Judas. But then you got Peter. Let me tell you what Peter did. Peter, after, after he had betrayed Jesus, he had his, his best friend in the whole wide world, the Savior of the universe, the Son of God, by Peter's own mouth, he did not ever even know him. But what Peter did was, he's like, I could sit here in my shame. I could sit here in my guilt, being unworthy to come before Jesus. Or I could act like it didn't happen. I could act like I'm okay. Or I could jump out of this boat and with everything that I have in my being, try with all that I have to get to Jesus. I just got to get to Jesus. That's what Peter said. I just got to get to Jesus because I need him. I got to have him. I love him. And he loves me. Just like Tina said in the video, he loves me. He loves me. Even though I did screw up, I am unworthy. 
I'm, I, I'm, I'm a screw up. I have failed him. I've denied even knowing him. But he loves me and I got to get to him because I love him and I need him in my life. And he didn't sit there in his pride and say, I'm okay. I'm a pretty good person. He said, I desperately need Jesus. I am unworthy. But Jesus loves me. And I want to tell you something this morning. There's people sitting in this room on both sides of the boat. Some of you, you're like, man, I can never come before Jesus. Like Tina so boldly uh, proclaimed in that video. I love it. She said, she was so honest. I'm so unworthy. Jesus said, no, you, you are unworthy. But, but you can come to me because of what I've done. Because I love you. You are unworthy. But I died for you because I love you. And there's some of you this morning, you're sitting there in your pride and your arrogance and you think you're a pretty good person. The Bible says your righteousness is like filthy rags before a holy God. You are unworthy. You have to understand that. I believe this is one of the biggest failures of the modern church is thinking we are something. You are nothing. You desperately need Jesus. You need Jesus. No matter where you are in the story, you just, you just got to have Jesus. And because of who Jesus is, because of what He has done, He will always take you back. He will always love you. That is what we remember this morning. His body broken for you. He looked at you just like He looked at Peter and says, I know you're going to deny me. I know who you were. I know who you are and I know who you're going to be. And I am going to die for you. My, my body will be broken for you because I love you. You just, gotta, you just desperately need Jesus. That is what we remember this morning. That is what we think about in this place today is that, is that kind of love. And people say, well, well if you preach this, this, this extreme grace stuff, people are just going to go on doing their life and think they can just sin and always come back. I don't believe that for a second. If you, if you, for a second, see how much Jesus loves you and you see the grace and the mercy that are in his eyes and you, and you just get a glimpse of who he is, all you want to do, as Paul says, is lay your life down as a living sacrifice. This extreme grace, this extravagant love, it, 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 it just makes you have an extreme, extravagant response of I will give my life, I will give my everything to this Jesus. I will run to him because I need him. I can't do this thing without him. Peter understood that. You just got to get to Jesus. And that kind of love, that kind of grace, that kind of mercy that takes you back in after you've denied him with the way you live, that is what we remember this morning. It is extreme. It's reckless. It's extravagant. It's any word you can think of. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's a love you can't earn or deserve. That's what Jesus did for you. That's what we, when, we, when, we, when we eat this bread and we, we drink this juice, that is what we are celebrating and remembering this morning. Don't just come down here and just eat some bread. Remember what he's done for you. Think about that love. You are Peter. I'm Peter. That's who we are. But Jesus loves you. And he died for you. And he says, this is my body broken for you. Put your fill in the blank. Put your name in the box. This is my body broken for Taylor. And that, that warrants a response. 
This is my body broken for you because I love you. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were so unworthy, while we were enemies of God, Paul says, Jesus came and died for us. That is what we remember in this place today. And if you aren't a believer, you have that opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ here today. You need Him. You desperately need Him. You need a Savior. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You can do that in this place today. You need to run to Jesus. You need to run to this altar. You need to run to a leader. You need need to run to Jesus. Because you desperately need Him. I desperately need Him every day of my life. And that is what we remember this morning. If you're a believer in this place and you've given, you have confessed with your mouth, you believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Remember what He's done for you. Think about it. Don't just come down, eat some bread, go back, listen to the music, and go home. Worship Him, praise Him, thank Him for what He's done. Again, Scripture says, offer your body as a living sacrifice, worshiping, praising, giving Him your very life. That is the response. That is what we remember in this place this morning. So I'm going to ask all of you to stand with me. As we go into worship here in a moment, again, the ushers will let you out. You just follow them. You'll come down. You'll take the bread. You'll dip it in the the cup. Remember what He's done for you. Remember today. Think about it. That kind of love. We are still sinners. Christ died for us. For you and for me. He loves you. Pray with me this morning.